welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode, I'm joined by the wonderful author, brand new author. In fact, we talk about her new book and presenter on BBC Radio London, Salma El Waldani. I've followed her for a long time on social media. And while she is not divorced, she has some very interesting views about marriage. She's declared she will not go to weddings anymore. And uh, she also talks about coming out of toxic relationships and her view that relationships and having children and stuff a lot of the time is what women are measured by. Their success is measured by whether we've done those things. So we have a really interesting chat and a lot of things I I feel like we haven't fully explored so far on the podcast. So it was really nice to have this chat with Salma and uh, hear all of her opinions. And she comes up with some great lines that I want printed on t-shirts, definitely. So let's make that happen. Enjoy. I am joined by author and presenter Salma El Wardani. Hello, welcome to The Divorce Social. (laughs) I just felt that noise was necessary. Hi, darling. (laughs) I felt like I was coming into an arena, like a ring, from the way you announced that. Uh, Well... (laughs) It's an arena of sorts, my podcast. Welcome to the breakup <laughs> arena. Get your boxing yeah. gloves on. We're ready to go. I am ready. I have wrapped my fists 
up. Let's go. So I am inviting you and welcoming you to the Divorce Social. How does it feel to be on a podcast of that name? I feel like I've got a golden ticket. Think Charlie Booker getting the golden <laughs> ticket to the, to the factory. Because I also feel incredibly honest. Obviously, as you know, I haven't been divorced, just heartbroken many a time. And so I feel like you have to go through the trauma of marriage and a divorce to get here. And somehow I've sidestepped that. Hence the golden ticket. And I've got an invitation to like, the hottest club in town. <laughs> it is the hottest club in town. Literally, because we're all sweaty. <laughs> yes, we are sweaty. Does not require me to wear heels and I can have a cup of tea. This is the best club in town. Dunk a biscuit, whatever you like. <laughs> um, so you haven't been divorced, but the reason I wanted to get you on is you uh, have very interesting beliefs, I think, on marriage and toxic relationships that I've seen on your social media. And so I was interested to talk to you about those views. So where has your view on marriage come from and what is it? Okay, so do you know what? And this might surprise you, my love. It might surprise many people. I'm not against marriage per se as a um, symbol of someone's love, right? And I am a deeply monogamous person. So, I, I mean, when I am single, I'm fucking around town, okay? When I am not, I'm deeply monogamous as an individual. And I think marriage is an incredibly beautiful articulation of two people deciding to do the very, very, very hard work of being together. Because it is. It's really easy to cheat on someone and to fuck around. Uh, staying faithful and loyal to someone day in, day out is so hard because it takes sweat and grit and guts and courage. And so I think marriage as a symbol of that, fine, beautiful. What I have a problem with, Samantha, is weddings, the palaver and the circus around weddings, the way we treat marriage in our society, and how as a woman, you are not deemed successful in this life. Even if you cure cancer, you will not be deemed successful unless you got married. And that is what I have a real, real issue with. So I am always quite vehemently anti-weddings and only ever celebrating marriage and babies because I resent it. I deeply resent it. I think it's part of the problems that we, well, it feeds into many of the problems that we have with misogyny and sexism in our society because we don't offer any other possibilities or options for women. And so I am, I am like anti the marriage narrative but I'm not anti-marriage. And I'm, oh, I'm anti-weddings. I've decided that I'm never going to another wedding. I have a no wedding policy now. So if I got married to like a new love of my life and I invited mm. you, you wouldn't come? I'm not coming, babes. I'm not coming. Do you know <laughs> what I would do? I would say me and you, us two as friends, let's go out and celebrate it. I'll take you out for dinner. I'll give you your wedding present, which is going to be a present just for you, by the way, not you and your other person who, by the way, I don't know. And I don't think they care if they get a teapot from me. And maybe <laughs> you would care more if I gave you like a really personal gift based on our friendship and our history. Um, and I will take you out. We'll go for afternoon tea. We'll have a great time. But I'm not coming to your wedding. But then I can't wear my wedding occasion dress. Oh, you can. Okay. <laughs> as long as I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bring it to afternoon tea with you. A hundred percent. 
I'm just not doing it. I'm not going to any more weddings. So I think this is interesting because I think there's definitely a stage in divorce, definitely my divorce, where I was like, I'm never getting married again because the fallout of this was so extreme. And I feel like now I'm coming back around and I'm like, no, I probably would to be fair. Like I just like a party. <laughs> um, but I can definitely relate to this idea that you're not successful unless you've got married and also had a child because I don't have children. Um, where where do you think you were first exposed to those ideas? I don't know, probably the minute I popped out the womb, let's be honest. Um, I My granny, by the way, obviously I straddle many different cultures and faiths. You know, I've got my mum's Irish convert to Islam. And so I've got this whole Irish Catholic family. And then I've got the Egyptian Muslim family. And then my mum remarried to my dad who raised me, who is my dad, is my stepdad, and he's Pakistani. So then I've got this whole Pakistani thing going on. So there's a lot going on. And in all of those circles, regardless of culture, heritage, faith, in all of those three circles, it was consistently pushed that I will be successful when I am married. No matter what I do, I do a lot of great things. And I've done, I've, I've achieved some wonderful things, which is amazing and I'll tell my granny my Irish Catholic granny and I'll tell her and she'll go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when are you going to get married Salma when do you and then my dad would also say do you think it's time to you know stop messing about and do you think it's time to settle down um and so I've had it from every single circle if you will and it's just constantly pushed and do you know what I bought into it. I believed it. I was 100% for it. Like most girls, there is a picture of me as a kid with something white on my head because we're playing weddings, okay? Which in hindsight is a shit game because it's pretty boring. What do you do? You just walk up and down with a pillowcase on your head, which is not really that fun if you think about it. Can't even drink the champagne at that age. Like, what's the point? There was never even cakes. I could understand why we'd play weddings if we all like ate a big cake every time we played that game, but we didn't. We just paraded around in in something like a duvet tied around our waist or something. Um, but there's pictures of me doing that. And I, you know, I was adamant that I was going to get married on my 20th birthday. I thought that was a great age to be getting married on my 20th birthday. Uh-huh. And I know, how insane is that? And I, I knew where I wanted to get married. It was going to be in Annick Castle, which, by the way, is where Harry Potter was filmed. And it was going to be splendid, black and white themed, 10 bridesmaids all in black silk dresses. I'm going to be in a white puffy dress that is bigger than my entire body. And um, I had it all planned out. And I just had this for years. And I didn't spend that amount of energy thinking about the man that would be waiting for me at the end of the altar, which is arguably a lot more important. Um, And I just bought into this all my life. And I, I just went along with that because, and I look back on it now, and I don't know if you feel this, as someone who has gone through the hoopla of, of marriage and weddings, but I look back on it as the most one of the most acceptable forms of peer pressure. Like I look back at it, I can just see me being manipulated to go down this road. I don't know if you feel that as well, but that was that's pure manipulation. Yeah, I definitely felt a pressure to get married and to have a house. And and like those were like life goals. And, you know, yeah, I was an author. I was on TV shows as an actress. And that's always what I wanted to do. But I had to get married and have a house around the age of 30. Like that was the goal. Yeah. And then 
I remember telling a friend about it who hadn't done either of those things at the time. And she was talking about how she wanted both of them. And I said to her, yeah, but you do it and you get there and you're like, oh, okay. Is it anticlimactic? Done, done that now. Yeah. Because I mean, I love having my house, but just because I love my house, I think I'd love this place, even if I rented it. Um, I think owning it does have that bit of security, but then there's also like the responsibility of like a mortgage and I can't just get up and like go traveling in a minute and just leave the house. But yeah, I definitely, it was definitely anticlimactic. I remember like being in the house with my husband, like I own this house. I got married. Oh, did I want to do those things? Am I glad I did those things? And, but in some ways, after I'd done them, I was like, oh, right, I can just do what I want now because I've done those things I was meant to do. But I thought it was really interesting there when you said that, I think you said it was your your dad said to you, like, when are you going to stop messing around and get married? And that's such a common phrase. And so why are we messing around when we're single? And why... Marriage is messy, let me tell you. (laughs) Exactly. Why is all the experience and the things that you're doing as a single person who's not married invalidated because they're not serious enough or they're not plausible enough or they're not valid enough? You know, Um, do you know what? My dad didn't even know the extent I was messing around. (laughs) I was was messing. (laughs) He just meant it like in a stop, you know, gay, gay get it together type of thing um but I mean I had I had great fun messing around like why don't we tell more women go and mess around a lot go do do all the messing around because that's the important stuff that's what you should be doing instead of you know tying yourself to a subpar man who's probably just not as good as you are big statements I like it um but I want to I want to talk to you about this wedding plan as well, because this was in depth, like the color scheme, like the venue. When did you, do you remember like looking up venues for your wedding? And when did you decide? Me and my friend did it. We looked up how much Annette Castle would would cost to hire for my wedding that was not set in stone. I was not even engaged. Um, and, and, but the, context of this is I'm from Newcastle so I was living in the north at the time Annette Castle was a you know a close by aspiration for many a Newcastle girl um and we looked it up and it was gonna cost 10 grand to hire Annette Castle for a night and I remember looking it up we were in her bedroom um and we were looking it up on the laptop and I remember going "Hmm." and we both went yeah 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 Great, yeah. Not a thought, not a second thought. Someone said to me, over 10K for a venue now. I would be like, get out of town. Absolutely not. And at the time, we just went, mm, it's for your wedding, though. It's for your wedding, that one day. And it just goes to show how much peer pressure there is and how much manipulation had been done on us and how we were such products of the patriarchy. That, and we all are. I don't say that in a, in a kind of a, a blameful way, but we were such products of the patriarchy that we went, oh, here's £10,000 for one day, for one venue, and that is acceptable. No second thoughts. I mean, I have to tell you, having had a wedding and paid lots of money, ten grand is quite a decent price for a castle, as it goes. <laughs> well, there you go. It wouldn't be ten grand now, i tell you that much. <laughs> no. But what age were you when you looked that up? Do you remember? I think when we were looking that up, I was in um, I was in university, so I was in like my first year of university or something. And I was at the time I was in a relationship and kind of my first love. So 
you know, it all seemed like, yeah, absolutely. Now is the time, you know, not go graduate, get a job, live in the world, do some things. If you want to do it with that person, fine. But I was there looking it up being like, yeah, Annick Castle it is when the time comes. It's interesting as well that you were at university, like studying for a career is essentially what university is meant to be. But you were looking up your future marriage. I know. So when do you think you started to realise that all this wedding stuff was peer pressure and um, maybe the patriarchy's effect on us young women? Embarrassingly late, if I'm honest. I think this is the thing about being a woman and trying to be a really conscientious feminist and do the work. The work is ongoing and there's so much work to do. And you can be very forward thinking and feminist thinking in lots of other things and still have these unresolved hang-ups that you haven't even questioned. Because I've always thought I would have a big wedding. And part of that thought process was, well, I've got lots of family. There's just lots of people that need to be there. So if I'm going to start inviting just close family, then we're already at 100. So of course it's going to be a big wedding. And also I grew up like South Asian. We we have big weddings. They do second and third sittings at those weddings. And I grew up going to those weddings, right? So it, it was completely natural to me. Of course we're going to have a big wedding. I just went through life thinking that for, you know, a really long time. As I got older and I went through a period of time where it was just me, I was living alone. I was enjoying that. I was enjoying being single. I loved it. It was incredible. And that's kind of when things started turning over in my mind. And I started thinking, but hang on, wait a second. And if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm not saying this makes me sound amazing or brings my best self to the to the table, but in the interest of being completely honest, it was getting wrapped up in other people's weddings that I really started to see how much of a farce they were. And as you get to a certain age, as you will know this, and all your friends start getting married and having babies, there comes a time, I'm 34 now, I do not have babies and I'm not married, but there comes a time and I've reached that time where pretty much everyone around me is or they're all getting married. And so you have to attend a fair few weddings of your close friends and you are like closely invested and you're closely involved in those weddings. Um, And I just, with each one, I found them more fucking ridiculous and I would watch these incredible women that I have in my life be transformed from these brilliant women to these frazzled stressed terrible women who brought their worst selves to the table um over bloody wedding favors and I just would look at them and be like how is the person that I know completely dissolved all over a wedding favor or all over what your in-laws are demanding or you know where is that strong confident woman who tells everyone to fuck off but suddenly and I get it it's harder to manage family expectations and I understand all of that and also the statement that my friends kept saying to me when they when they would go through these weddings Thalma the wedding's not for you it's not for you it's for everyone else you know when I would say well hang on you want that so why don't you just have it it's not the wedding's for, you know, it's not for you. Everyone tells me the wedding's not for you. And I would think, well, why the hell are you doing it? Why are you spending all this money? And it does. It becomes about, you know, what your mother-in-law wants. What's going to keep your father-in-law happy? What's going to keep your mother happy? What does your partner want? You know, oh, your partner's grandmother needs this and, and she can't sit next to that auntie. So we have to make sure we do. And the more I would watch my friends go this, the more the veil just kind of fell from my eyes. And I thought, this is absurd that you are spending this much money, this much time, effort and energy in your headspace. And it is ultimately making you miserable. This idea of the glowing bride who is just happy all the way up to the wedding, 
you can tell me if this is true, Samantha, all the way up to the wedding and then has this beautiful day. Is that even true? No. Right? <laughs> In a word, no. I think I I didn't have to deal so much with like dealing what other people wanted because I didn't. My mum was quite like, yeah, do whatever you like. Um, and then there was a couple of comments of like, do this. But I was quite like, this is what's happening. And actually, I definitely viewed the wedding as like, this is for us. Like, this is my party. But I did feel the pressures of what a wedding should look like. Mm, right? and, I, and I definitely went grand. Like it was in this huge venue in Edinburgh, like high ceilings, like Gothic architecture. Like the photos are great. I still have the photos of just me in my wedding dress on the wall, just not with my ex in them because they look great. Um, should. But but yeah, it is very expensive. And and also a lot of people who are getting married now ask me, like my friends, ask me for my advice. And I always say don't spend as much money as you think and also don't spend a lot of money on your dress because that's a ridiculous thing I had more fittings for my wedding dress than I did for my hearing aid which I wear every day and I wore my wedding dress once and and my wedding dress is more expensive than my father I think if I got married again I'd definitely get a lovely dress but the one that I could wear again to like a posh occasion and maybe like you know like a Vivian Westwood dress and not necessarily in white like something that I loved but wasn't one of those big fancy frilly numbers but that's maybe that's because I've done it once been there got the dress in the wardrobe yeah got worn the dress literally I don't know because I think I just I don't know any other women who spent so much money on their wedding dress. And I know women who do and they wore it again or they did anything with it. And I don't think they turn around and say, yes, it was super worth it. And what is the point of that? And I've literally, I, um, I'm obviously in the process of organizing my book launch, which is next week, which you are coming to, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, and that my outfit that I had ordered arrived today, which full disclosure was 230 pounds. And it arrived this morning in the post. It was fucking awful and did not fit. And so I went out uh, uh, in a panic and called my friends and and was told, which I'm going to do now, by the way, um, because the thought of going shopping and trying to sludge through everything and spend lots of money. And my friend said to me, why don't you just go rent a dress? just go and rent one so I'm gonna to go tomorrow and I'm gonna rent one because why spend all of that money and I've looked on the website it's like 60 pounds 60 pounds I spent 230 pounds well, I'm gonna take it back but it's the same thing why wouldn't you just rent a wedding dress why would you spend all of that money on something that you literally cannot wear again because how feasible is it to get on the central line to go meet your friends in the biggest puffiest white dress <laughs> with a train on the train Um, it'd be too much um it's interesting about your book launch though because I think I approached my book launch in a similar way of like I got a dress specially made for it maybe our book launches are like weddings for your career (laughs) a hundred percent and do you know what I have genuinely been treating this as a wedding and actually a bigger celebration Uh, if I ever get married it won't I will never have a wedding I'll elope I'll go to Vegas or something. I won't do a wedding. And 
I'd rather celebrate something that just myself has done that I've achieved that I've worked really hard for um and I want to celebrate that and I genuinely Samantha I nearly registered for the book launch as in I was going to register at like John Lewis the same way you register for when you when you get married like genuinely yeah 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 because why not because I'm not going to have a big wedding and I've showed up to everyone's weddings and I've bought the baby showers and the engagement presents and the wedding presents and actually this is what I would like you to celebrate instead of if I get married surely your registry though should be with like waterstones and people should just buy several copies of your book so that it gets in the charts as soon as it comes out exactly you may have already bought one but this is your gift to me buy another one yeah that could that's a good idea I like where your head's at with that give them to friends but I think this is really funny about the book launch because for my book launch I uh because I said I learned from my wedding, didn't I? But for my book launch, I got, I sort of saw it as like a really big deal. And actually, again, like the wedding after the book launch, I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't have spent as much money on that. But I see that's so interesting. Yeah, I, I got the, so I've written children's books. So my book launch was for Harriet versus the Galaxy, which is my first children's book. So I got the illustrations, which are done by Jessica Marie Flores, who's amazing. Um, deaf comedian in the state she did the illustrations so I got those printed on fabric and then I got a dressmaker to make me a dress out of that fabric but my reasoning was then I could wear the dress again for like book events I think I've worn it for one other book event that I've been to (gasps) no I need a picture of this dress. That sounds I mean, it's, amazing. It's, it is actually a really good dress. I do forget about it. And then I'm like, oh, I should, I should have worn that. And I'm going to some book festivals to talk about books soon. So I should wear the dress again. But yeah, I made a big deal and sort of got the dress and then sorted out drinks for people. And I even did, you know, like wedding favors. I did like goodie bags for people to take home, which had like sweets and toys in them. I'm exactly the same. That's exactly what's happening at mine. We have approached our book launches in exactly the same manner, extra and over the top. And I respect you more for it. And also it's, it's much easier because you don't have to like it's just for you. You don't have to discuss it with a partner and like you just sort it out. It's much more straightforward. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's the ad break. Would you like some divorce social 
merchandise. Oh, yeah. Give me a divorce social tote bag. Give me a divorce social sticker and mug. All right, then. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S, that's my name, and you will get access to be able to join up to our Patreon. That supports the admin costs of the podcast. It also means you have access to merchandise and a 90s-style chat room where we talk about divorce and heartbreak and overcoming it and being fierce, amazing humans. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast as well and hit subscribe on all your podcast platforms. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com, and we're on Instagram and Twitter at DivorcePod, and I'm at Samantha Baines. Enjoy this advert because it makes me 2p every time you listen. 2p isn't maybe the real amount. I've made that up as an approximation, but thank you anyway. So why have you decided not to go to weddings? Because is that not just like punishing your friends? No, I don't think so. Look, my friends that I have seen at weddings, they do not have a good time. You don't get to have any time with them. It's a frazzled affair. Um, and it requires so much money on your part, right? You have to pay for your outfit if you don't have an outfit that you can wear. Um, you pay for accommodation and travel because generally these things are held in places that are not around the corner from your house or that you can get the tube to. Um, there's the Hindu. There's ridiculous games and stuff that you have to play that requires you to buy like 45 penis-shaped balloons or whatever it is that the Hindu is requiring of you. Um, I find it like an inordinate cost and it's really expensive. And I find, I don't know that I necessarily have a good time at those events I really cringe at the patriarchal nature of them you know that moment where they say and now please welcome Mr and Mrs after the wedding and just before the food it makes me want to die inside um and I'm just not doing it because and do you know what if I'm being completely honest if like my very best friend said I'm getting married and of course you have to be that I would I would show up for that person but the amount of weddings that we actually go to and you think I've seen you twice this year why am I here? Why have I spent all this money and time and effort to be here? I'm just, maybe I'm more precious about my time, but I'm not, I'm not prioritizing weddings with the same emphasis and urgency that the rest of society does. Do you know what? If you are so close to me that I talk to you most days and I show up for you and when there's a crisis, I call, like, I call you and you show up for me and vice versa, I will celebrate your love if that's important to you and I will be there on the day. Um, but if we've spoken three times, went for brunch twice, and you know, you're inviting everyone you've ever known because you want people to show up for you and like that, I'm not coming. I'm not doing it. Nope. So what do you think then about divorce parties? If you didn't go to the wedding, would you go to the divorce party? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds so sinister, doesn't it? Um I would go to a divorce party because I am here to celebrate anything and any moment and event that allows women to come into themselves as individuals and the divorce I think you can tell me but I'm sure it's that you spend and it's like a breakup right you spend so much time energy and effort entangled in this person and then when you are suddenly like I remember having a breakup and then just having this overwhelming sense of relief that finally it was done that we could stop 
either hurting each other or letting each other down or whatever it was that we were doing to each other. And I was just like, thank God it's over. Thank God I can walk away now and get my life back. And that's exactly what I thought. I can get my life back because I am a giver as well. I'm a liability in relationships. I will give you everything to my own detriment, not because you've asked, because I am that loving and generous. And I'm like, I want to give you everything. I'm working it out in therapy. We're getting there a little bit with it. But um, I, I felt, oh my God, I've got my life back. So I'm here to celebrate. And I know that's what women are like. And I know, you know, we can look at the, there will be people listening to this. Make sure you know who will be like, she talks a lot of shit and she just hates men. And my answer to that is 70% of um, uh, unpaid work is done by women to this day. That's the, that's the current statistic. 70% of unpaid labor is done by women. And women do six hours, uh, it's like 6.32 hours a week of unpaid labor to men's two and a half hours. Um so I know that when you're in a relationship with a man, a heteronormative relationship, because of the patriarchy, because of the way the world is built, the way our society is built, a woman will always give more, 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 more. Generally, the majority of instances, the woman is giving and doing a lot more than the man is. So when you are divorced and you are no longer with that man, I'm here to celebrate the fact that you have got yourself back and you get to spend all of that energy, those six hours that you were doing on making the house beautiful and picking up his boxer shorts off the floor, you're going to get that back to focus on your hobbies, your daily walks that you love doing and all the things that that put energy into you. You are now a renewable source of energy. It is going back into yourself. And you are recycling it and putting it back out instead of putting it into a black hole, which is your man. A <laughs> black hole. <laughs> I think I think actually a lot of people would describe their exes as a black hole. Um <laughs> like you can't you can't see where all the effort goes or see anything that's coming back out um so i mean, it's interesting as well that you talk about the the patriarchy and the heteronormative relationship so i'm bisexual so if i got married to a wood a woman would you come oh god yeah 100%. I'm just really, I feel like I'm just really trying to force you to come to my next You, you really want me to come to a wedding. Yeah, you're here for that. <laughs> and do you know what? I've been to um, weddings with two women and it it is a hundred, I officiated, I married two women in Australia um, and became a celebrant so that I could fly across the world and marry them. So I'm not against love or, or the institution. I literally became a celebrant and flew across the world to Australia to marry two women. And it is a completely different energy that is brought to that space. It's a completely different vibe. Um, and it, it feels beautiful and it feels like it can just be the celebration of love. And it's less about, oh, she's done this because she kind of has to or because society is peer pressuring her into something. And that's not me saying that every single marriage. No, there are men and women that are married out of nothing but unadulterated love, which is, you know, great. But nothing exists in isolation and no one is free from the patriarchy. So that will infiltrate your wedding and the bonanza around your wedding. If you get married to a woman with bells on, I am there. Great. I'll keep that in mind. (laughs) Um, So you, you said you said like some people might listen to this and think you're chatting shit and you hate men. Yeah. On that note, uh, shall we talk about your relationship history? Because you have done some posts on social media talking about being in toxic relationships and getting out of that. Is is there one in particular you remember the breakup of as being particularly momentous? Oh, bloody hell. All of them. All of them (laughs) were momentous. Um, 
Yeah, well, there's like three past relationships and breakups that were significant in my life and all very different um, and all equally heartbreaking, I think, in very different ways in the way that they affect you. But yeah, the one that you're referring to, I think, toxic, really, I was in a situation which is the opposite of a marriage <laughs> because no one has committed to anyone. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, I was, I was committed. The other party was not. The other uninterested party was not committed. Um, and do you know what? When I think about that, it was worse than the breakup I had before. Because the breakup I had before was the breakup out of a two and a half year relationship it was an awful relationship it was an abusive relationship and then that person left me and then married someone else a month later so wow that that is you know that is your clear like your clean cut by the rules breakup right one of it's easy there is a cut there is a finality to it and no one speaks to the other party ever again and you go forth with your life and you live it in, and you heal and you try to heal and you do what whatever you do in that heartbroken state um and there's no messiness to it I mean it's incredibly messy because it's painful and you have to rethink everything you thought about that relationship because that person got married a month later so what does that mean for what was going on when you were in that relationship so you do lots of evaluating in that way but it's you know there's nothing hanging about there are clean edges to that the edges are sharp and they really cut you but the edges are clean. And this situationship that I was entangled in was fucking awful because it ne- there are no clean edges to it. And it stings in a thousand other, other smaller ways. Um, and it is I, equally harmful and terrible. And when you don't have that clean cut breakup, I find it very difficult when someone won't let go. Um, and they keep pulling you back and they keep emotionally manipulating you or gaslighting you to, to bring you back, to convince you that what you think is real about this isn't real and that they are committed and that they are there. But then actually they don't show up when you've arranged a date and your left stood up or they don't respond to your messages for two weeks because they were working. And then suddenly they're back and pulling you back into that space. That's awful. That is terrible. When I speak to women now and they say, well, there's kind of a situationship going on, or they hint at something that looks like a situationship. I am there screaming, leave it alone. Leave him, leave that person. He will not give you what you want. Walk away. And I'm a big advocate of telling women to walk away because I wish someone had told me. So in a situationship, and for you in yours, how do you get away from that? Do you just have to make a final decision? Yeah. And and it's and it is up to you because and it's unfair that it's up to you because I remember once having a conversation saying I have asked you to leave me alone and you keep coming back and it's not fair and I'm doing all of the work I've stopped talking I've stopped calling I've asked you to leave me alone and you're not honouring any of that and you just keep and you know my triggers or my soft spot spots and, and you keep using them to pull me back to you and it's not fair like I was aware that that was happening and I said please help me out, like help me here and let it go. Like, let me go. I'm asking you to let me go. Um, Like I said that, um, and that person did not give a fuck about my feelings because he did not honor those wishes. And so, and it comes to a point and that breaking point is different for every woman. 
And I've, I've spoken to women who have been in situationships and they had their breaking points. Some had them earlier, some had them four years down the line, right? Um, but it is ultimately up to you. Once more, it is left to the women to do the work and you have to walk away from that and you have to block that person and you have to not pick up the phone and you have to not call them when you're crying and heartbroken late at night. You have to do all of that work, but you need like ironclad boundaries and you need to be so stern despite what your emotions might be telling you. You, and when the loneliness comes knocking, you have to ignore it and you have to not open the door when the loneliness comes knocking and you have to go against all of your emotions that are going through a wildfire of your heartbreak. And that's really hard. It is really hard, but you have to do that work. And what do you think helped you at that time stay ironclad, as you called it? Because I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this in relationships, but also in marriages. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's you that has to make the decision to leave that other person and they're constantly trying to pull you back in. How, How do you keep that courage and that decision solid? You take all the energy that you used and you put into that person and you put it into yourself. So you go traveling, if that's what your heart desires you start that new hobby if that's what your heart desires you make plans for yourself you take yourself out on dates you go back into the world without the weight of someone dragging you down and you remember how good it was to live previously without that person that's what you have to do you have to keep remembering that you can burn the bridge that you can detangle yourself and you do all the things that make your life rich and full and you hang out with your friends and you plan trips with your friends and you don't sit around at home by yourself aching for that person because you will ache regardless of whether you are on a beach in Australia or whether you are at home by yourself but the beach in Australia will remind you how strong and independent and brilliant you are and how brilliant you can be without that anchor that is tied around your neck so you just put all of that energy. It's an investment. It's the best investment you'll ever make. People will talk to you about Bitcoin. Fuck that shit. Invest that energy (laughs) into yourself because that will pay you dividends. I love that. People are like, invest in Bitcoin. You're like, no, invest in yourself. (laughs) So good. As a mantra for life, like you need to like put that on some sort of t-shirt, please. So I can wear it. Yeah. So what what would you say to someone listening who's in that place where they've made the decision, they've left, they've been like, please stop contacting me, but their ex keeps trying to come back, keeps trying to pull them back in, but that maybe they can't like go traveling or get themselves away. Are there any words of wisdom or like steps that they can take practically? I would say always remember, number one, that silence is the most powerful tool. So even when you are engaging with that person and saying, please stop messaging me, please stop calling me, please stop doing this, you are still giving that person the the attention and time and energy that they are craving and why they come knocking to you. Because they can then easily say something, well, look, you said this because they know you because they've had a relationship with you and they can very easily pull you back into a, a, a space that isn't right for you and is against the decision that you've made. And silence is so powerful. And we in this age of communication where we have so many platforms to communicate on and we can DM someone and then call them and then WhatsApp them and then text them and then send them a long email, but also write to them as well if we want to. In that age, we have really forgotten how powerful silence is. And when I was in this situationship, I was an available bunny. You know, 
tweet me, I will tweet you back. Slide in my DMs, I will respond. Call me, I will pick it up. Even if I'm in the shower, shaving my armpits, I will stop mid-shave, like dripping with water, pick up my phone and stand cold and naked at my own discomfort and talk to you to make sure I am available. I have been that person. I've stood cold and naked in the shower just so I could talk to them about some mundane shit because they just wanted to talk to me on their way home. Yet when I was in that space and I was that available, that person was never that available to me. And then I just remember the point where I got so fed up with everything and my tipping point that I reached and just stopped talking to that person. They would message, they would reply to my stories, they would slide in my DMs and I would just not respond to it. And it got more and more insistent, like the fervor just increased with which that person tried to contact me because they realized that they were being met with nothing but a wall of silence. Silence is fucking golden. And use that. And that's my advice to anyone. If you're in a situation like that, stop giving them your energy and your time. And it's really hard. I'm not saying it's not. And I don't say that in a judgmental way at all, because I have given time and energy. I have responded. I have watched five, six messages come in, sworn that I wasn't going to reply, and then replied on the seventh message. I have done it. I am your gal for that. I have been there. Um, but if you can maintain, if you can hold that line, do not respond. Do not give that energy. Pick up the phone and bitch about it to your girlfriend, sure. But don't give that energy to that person. Respond with nothing but silence because people can't do anything with silence. They can do something with when you with the words that you give them. They can't do anything with silence. So maintain absolute silence in, in all matters and then go and invest that time and energy that you would have spent three hours in this text argument with your ex about how you've asked him to stop calling you but he's still calling you. Take that three hours and go for a pedicure or a manicure or a run or a hike or go climb something, or do or go masturbate. That's a better use of your time, quite frankly. <laughs> go see your girlfriend, pick up the phone to an old mate, do any of the things, but spend that energy on that person. I think that's really useful advice for like going through the, like, the divorce process as well, because sometimes it can get really heated and mm. you know send you this message being like the lawyer said this and I need you to do this and then instead of like having that argument just I definitely learned that of just like I'm just not going to say anything right now and I'm just going to wait and then eventually it was like well I don't need to reply because it got sorted out in a different way but my immediate reaction was like to go back fighting because no I'm not going to let you walk all over me or whatever it is and I think we hear a lot of things about like gaslighting and ignoring people but this isn't ignoring people this is I've told you not to message me but you're still doing it so now I'm going to stop replying so it's not like you're dating someone and you just stop talking to them for no reason. Which I 100% don't advocate. Don't do that. That makes you a dickhead. Be very clear with your boundaries. So if you are dating someone or you're getting divorced and you say, look, this is where we're at. We are no longer getting the best out of each other. We are fighting in every single conversation that we have. So this is not a constructive use of either of our time. So please let's not talk and let's just let the lawyers do it. And you know what? Maybe in two, three years, we can come back and have a nicer conversation when everything has died down and no one is as heated. But for now, can you please just communicate with my lawyer? I'd rather us not have this conversation. Communicate that. But then if that person is insistent and is ignoring your wishes, shut that shit down. You have a right to block that person. And people don't do it because they're like, but what if they need me? I get it. If you have kids, don't block your baby daddy for sure. Because if he's with the kids and he needs to call you, that's probably important. Um, 
But if you don't have kids and you don't share, I don't know, a dog or a cat or something that you need to communicate with one another over, you can block that person. You can maintain that boundary. You can not respond to those messages. You can safeguard your space and your energy because you don't owe that person anything. It sounds like you have these strong boundaries, which I love. So how do you go about dating with super strong boundaries? Please help me with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's funny, isn't it? Like, we were taught such useless shit in school, but actually someone probably should have taught everyone how to maintain their boundaries because there would have been healthier people out there, don't you think? Yeah, because when I'm single, I'm like, yeah, I feel really good. Like I know where everything is. I know what I want. And then I start dating someone I like a bit and I'm like, oh my God, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, everything gets tipped upside down, doesn't it? And yeah. you revert to a complete simpering idiot. Uh, well, at least I do anyway. And so I think you have to be really intentional in your relationships and your dating. And you have to have, before you go in it, this is why, and I would love to make this policy in UK law, but I think <laughs> it should be obligatory for a woman to spend a certain amount of time single. Okay. Because I think it's an incredible time period and I think you learn so much about yourself and you learn about your boundaries and you learn about what you want. And I think you have to go into relationships and dating with a very clear idea of who you are as an individual and what you will and will not accept and what you would like from your partner. Uh, or what you would like from casual dating. You know, I had periods of time where I was adamant, like if anyone had tried to get into a relationship with me, I would have laughed them out of town. I remember what, like years ago, someone tried to hold my hand <laughs> and I just <laughs> did not react well to that. And, I, and, and he kept telling me that he loved me. And I said to him, and I'd already told him at the very beginning, for me, this is just sex. If that is something that you are interested in, Let's do this as two consenting grown adults. If you're not, then I would never want to mislead you or lead you down the wrong path because I've been led down the wrong path and someone wasn't honest about their intentions. I think when you have a heart in your hand, you have such huge responsibility and you should treat it as such. And so I had said to him at the very beginning, look, this is what I want. This is what I'm able to give. And this is what I cannot give. He was on board. Yes, absolutely fine great and there just came a point where he kept telling me that he loved me and you know I appreciate that that's a lovely sentiment for someone to love you but I was not in a place where I could receive that love and did not want that love and had communicated that that was not what I was there for and I had to say really sternly to him I have said to you in no version of this situation do you and I walk off together in the sunset I have told you that multiple times you have to stop telling me that you love me if you cannot do that this cannot continue and you have to know what you want. So you can go into casual dating and just sex. Be honest and vocal and know what those, those things are that you want and what your boundaries are. If you're going into a relationship, have those conversations at the beginning. Know what you will and will not accept. But you have to know these things within yourself because going into any kind of interaction, whether it's casual or meaningful and long-lasting, if you don't know what it is that you want out of that and you don't know yourself, you're inevitably going to hurt someone. And that's not fair. So basically, my advice is for dating and relationships is spend a lot of time single, which I appreciate is counterintuitive. <laughs> but spend that time single and just have a great time by yourself. No, I, I like that advice, though, because I think when I 
was getting divorced, you hear these stories of like, oh, they got divorced, but then they met their new partner within a year and now they're married and they're so much in love. And like, that's the dream. And that it's a perfect wedding now and they're never going to get divorced again. And then you're sort of like, oh, well, I'm still single like four years on, like what's going on? But actually I feel like I've learned so much in those four years. And for me, with boundaries, I think honesty is key. And I'm definitely rubbish and and still trying to do it. But like, I am super trying to be honest because I got myself into a situation before where I thought I was honest. And I'd said like, this is just a fun time for me. Like I'm not in a place where I can have a relationship. And then similar to you, the person had more feelings than me. And then I sort of had to shut it down. And for so long, I felt so guilty about that. And, and I was like, oh my God, did I lead them on? Like, I don't, I don't want to like really upset someone and, and cause them heartbreak. But, but when I look back, I knew that I'd been honest and very upfront from the beginning. And I think that's all I could have done. So I'm trying to be more honest with people I'm dating. And I think I am in more of a relationship sphere now, Mm. which comes with its own new um, scary things with like dating for possibly relationship time instead of dating for sexy time. Um, but yeah, I think for me, honesty is, is key and trying to be as honest as possible, which is sometimes hard because it's difficult to be like, so just after like the third espresso martini. So what, what do you, do you want kids or... (laughs) Where where do you see where do you see yourself in five years? Like a job interview. It is, and it's and it's hard. And I would also say there's lots of people who don't know what they want, and that's also fine. But if you don't know what you want, do not put yourself in other people's way. Do not then lead people on. If you don't know what you want, bench yourself from the dating and relationship game. Bench yourself, I beg. You are of no use to anyone, and you will cause everyone to lose. So bench yourself and more people should do that. There's nothing wrong with not knowing what you want, but then you're a liability because you're inevitably going to hurt someone and lead someone on because you thought you wanted it and then you didn't and then you weren't sure and then, oh my God, maybe bench yourself is what you should do in those situations. I mean, there's so many great phrases from this conversation that I would like on a (laughs) t-shirt and that's one of them. If you don't know what you want from the dating game, bench yourself. So good. Maybe you can give it to people that you've gone on dates with that have not been intrusive. You should bench yourself. Yeah, just send them a t-shirt in the post that says that. <laughs> just with no note. So good. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much. I've loved loved chatting to you. Um, please can you tell oh, us about your new book? Yes, I can. It is called These Impossible Things. It's the story of three women, each from different cultures got different love stories going on but it is a novel about their love story between their friendship it's a novel about female friendship and how no matter what happens with your family in your culture with the person that you love it is always your girlfriends your closest women in your life who will come through and save your life they are each other's saviors they are each other's knights in shining armor and it is all about the value and beauty of female friendship so it is out now in the States and it comes out tomorrow as we are talking. It comes out tomorrow in the UK, which means I am going to stomp around London tomorrow with a Sharpie pen and eat lots of cake and then go into bookshops and 
I don't know, write things on my book and maybe other people's books. I don't know. But, <laughs> but it is out now. And if you can order it, that would be great. But I do not have to live a penniless life. Yay. Was it, do you know, my favorite thing about being an author is... Yeah, you know, if people don't know this, your your publisher tells you to go into bookshops and be like, Hello, yeah, I'm Samantha Baines. I would like to sign my book. And it's one of the weirdest things you'll ever do. Cause in the bookshop, they're just like, Oh, oh, okay, hello. And then yeah. and they never ask for any ID. So <laughs> you know, anyone could go into a bookshop and be like, I'm Samantha Baines, please can it because I don't think I'm a household face yet. Um, can I sign my book? And you could just sign my book. And I think they'd be like, sure. I didn't even know that you had to ask them. I was just going to go in and just pick my book up and start writing in it. But that's a really good point. I should warn them. But also I may go into a bookshop and say, hi, I'm Samantha Baines. I would like to do it. sign my book. They'll be like, All maybe right. I'll just go in. Maybe I'll just go in and say, I spoke to Samantha. She said I could sign one of her books. <laughs> and then you could do the same for one of mine and then someone is going to get will it will you sign it with my name though or with your name no i'm going to say um salma wazir okay. on it and then, and then i'm going to put ps samantha dared me to do it <laughs> and then you'll be sued for graffitiing private property yeah, or something probably. <laughs> but hopefully someone listening will have bought your book and it will have my my signature in it and they'll be like i've got that one it'll be like the charlie and the chocolate factory with the golden ticket <laughs> amazing i don't know what it means it means maybe maybe we should do it so you should go in around london somewhere and then sign one of my books and then i shall sign one of your books so there's two out there in the world whoever gets them will take them out for tea and cake okay but also I am a scaredy cat and I don't think I could genuinely do that in a bookshop. I think you, I'd have to go with you and be like, no, you have to do it. (laughs) So it's allowed. I'm not, I don't like breaking rules. Like I'm fine with breaking rules if they're like, rules that shouldn't exist are like you know the glass ceiling patriarchy stuff but if I'm like no graffiti is bad I don't want so I need to go with you to sign your book no you have to do it by yourself just do it on the sly as well just take your book and like pretend someone can like hide you from the the, the sales assistant and you can like quickly scribble in I it. have so much anxiety you don't understand like I don't I think that this would ruin me no it's gonna be fine <laughs> or maybe I'll just get you to sign one of the ones when you come to book yeah I'll tomorrow. just do it yeah let's do that because it's nicer um well thank you so much uh i'm looking forward to the book launch and it's been an absolute pleasure to chat thank you for having me in this very special 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 club even though i was not um i did not meet the membership requirement (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome in the social (laughs) ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.